0: hello everyone and welcome to the no limits podcast we are glad that you found us and chose to share part of your busy life with us this is our inaugural episode so brian and i thought we would talk about the purpose of the podcast the format so that you kind of know what to expect as well as what we hope you get out of listening Uh, we answer a whole slew of questions that you all sent in to us Questions about Revelation Outdoors, questions about Passion of Pursuit, and what it takes to produce that series. Uh, What kind of cameras do we run? How do we create those episodes and short films? Lots of good questions that made us go back and talk about some things that, frankly, we hadn't talked about until now. So it was really good to kind of unpack some things that needed to be unpacked and talked about. Um, We really hope to set the tone for the rest of the episodes in this episode and set expectations for you. We know that you have a limited amount of time to dedicate to listening to us, and we take that very seriously and we appreciate it very much, so we want to bring you really good content just as we have always tried to do, so that maybe at the end of the show you know something you didn't know before you take an interest in something that didn't particularly move your needle or whatever um, in the past or maybe you connect with someone that maybe you wouldn't have connected with before we've we've got high hopes and expectations for this podcast and we hope that you communicate with us and hold us accountable to those hopes and expectations our show sponsor is Tangle Free Waterfowl. The guys and gals at Tangle Free have been such a huge part of Passion of Pursuit, as well as Revelation Outdoors, and there's no way that we could do the things that we do without their support. Not only are they great people, but they make awesome, super functional, well-made waterfowl gear. If you've been a duck or goose hunter for longer than you can remember, like us, or if you're just getting into the sport, or if you find yourself anywhere between those, those two groups of people, one thing that we have in common is that we all work hard for the things that we have. Don't waste your hard-earned money on gear that you'll just wind up replacing in a year. Um, it doesn't make any sense. What Waterfowlers are tough on their gear, and waterfowl gear is an investment. It's not an expendable commodity. The bottom line is you buy good gear, you take care of it, and it will take care of you by making your hunts more enjoyable and fulfilling year after cold, wet, and muddy year. So we ask that you take a few minutes after the podcast, go to tanglefree.com, and enter passion in the discount code in the coupon code section and checkout and you will get free shipping on everything store wide super generous folks at tangle free waterfall and we want to uh, we want to thank them for their support so full disclosure we had a few minutes of technical challenges um, as we figured out new equipment and new settings and things like that Uh, it didn't take us very long to get everything worked out so we asked for a little bit of grace as we kick off the first episode of the no limits podcast with my partner for the last six or seven years mr. Brian Dryden jr. So first episode, what we want to do is really just roll through um, the purpose for the podcast. Um, maybe what some of the goals were, what are we trying to accomplish, and why it may be a little different than, than uh, some other things out there. So Brian and I will attempt to go through what we, what we hope, and, and really, I guess, from the the very beginning is the purpose why, you know, we've got a lot of content outright or whatever, different places. Why would we want to do this? Um, and as we talked about, it's really just leveraging another form of content delivery and connection, uh, with people with which we have some sort of relationship, right? Um, you know, through social media or video or whatever, um, kind of get used to seeing the things that we, that we do the things that we put out, uh, and just a different way of, um, of connecting with people. So Brian and I are here in studio. We're going to talk about that. We've got a list of, uh, some questions that some folks have asked, want to know different things about either revelation outdoors or passion of pursuit. And so, uh, we're going to attempt to do that. Um, as I said, really our, our very first podcast the purpose is just we just want to get different content out in a different format that's it's maybe a little bit you know sometimes you can't drive around and watch a video and then provide maybe a deeper sense of um context with those people um listen while you do different things
1: yeah
2: um you know for me podcast is relatively new um and I started listening to them on long drives. Um, so, you know, a lot of people would ask me, hey, how, how long does it take to get to Kansas? Y'all drive to Kansas all the time. How long- four podcasts. Like it takes four podcasts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, another thing we wanted to do was just reach out and connect with a totally different group of people that may not follow us on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or, but, you know, not every single person is on Instagram I don't know who but not everybody is go through kind of the importance of relationships um, because that's one thing that we've always been really super intentional about and and this podcast is just another way of connecting not only us with people or whatever in different places but other people that maybe would not have um, joined or listened to a certain thing we're connecting other people with kind of generally the same interest being waterfowling but you know maybe a completely different tangent guys go off and i mean duck season's only you know 60 or so days so
2: yeah and all all the all of the peripheral um aspects of hunting so you know as of lately maybe fitness or behind the scenes um uh, whether it be the creative side and, and things that we do camera, what goes into producing episodes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as, as far as relationships go, one of the things i you know, this podcast is your baby. Um, I think one of the things that you've always constantly asked me especially in the post-production is hey what can i be doing hunting season's done um i don't have any trips to schedule i don't have this what what can i do what do and uh, my answer has always been consistent
0: nothing um you can sit next to me while i edit or and that yeah that's so much fun
1: yeah so (laughs) um,
2: (laughs) one of one of the things that i've wanted to give you this platform you know, and have little to do with it as possible, just because I'm spread so thin everywhere else. Um, and one of the things I would, I was hoping that would happen through the podcast is that you would recognize the existing relationships that we have. Um, you know, calling Ronnie two, three times a year to say, hey, what's up? And then right. seeing him whenever we hunt, like, no, I want to have a conversation with him, mm-hmm. like, and, and do whatever we can to, quote-unquote show appreciation in you know just maintaining that relationship and having conversation and talking about things that matter to him you know like hey we know that duck hunting or waterfowl hunting matters to us and it's an equal um, interest but what are some other things that matter to you that um, we can talk about or um, just bring up and, and get input on from whoever's listening
0: Yeah. And that was kind of my, my point. If, um, if your relation and that's why we want to bring a little bit more context, I guess, to, um, the relationships is that if your relationships are centered pretty much centrally on waterfowl or killing waterfowl, whatever the case may be, um, and your season is, you know, 60, 90 days, that's, you know, you kind of run out of things to, you know, you find your relationship being defined by one thing and only in a very, very small window of, of time. Right. And so that's kind of, um, that's kind of a microcosm for the whole, this whole thing. Um,
2: what is, what does microcosm mean?
0: It is a smaller look at a bigger picture focused in on a, you know, a bigger, got that? You're with me? Yeah. Yeah. You're tracking me. I'm going to use that word today at some point. It's getting late. So you better hurry up. Um, let's talk about some of the goals, some of the things that we wanted to accomplish, um, that we wanted to accomplish with doing this. Um, we wanted to intentionally focus people on connecting in a way that maybe they would not have connected. On their own, like I said, water waterfowl is the the central theme, right? Catalyst. Yeah, the, right. The, the catalyst, but there's so many other things that guys are interested in that intersect waterfowl in some kind of way. They may have crossed paths during hunting season because you know they're waterfowlers and that's what they do but if like i said if that's your only source of context with that person you really don't have an opportunity to nurture that relationship or whatever like throughout the rest of the year and so um that window of opportunity i guess is really small and so by not limiting the scope of the things that we talk about we'll we'll get into some different um some different areas that maybe guys would either not be interested in it or, or not even tune into it all <clears throat> we also wanted to learn new information that either we didn't know or probably more so the case we thought we knew and we were wrong right right <laughs> um, that's probably closer to the closer to the truth there so we'll we'll try and and seek out some subject matter experts in different areas and discuss topics that might be controversial or you know guys have a wide array of viewpoints about this is right and that's wrong or no that's wrong and this is right there's a lot of i find that water followers especially are so opinionated on different things for sure (laughs) i think getting back to one of the goals that we wanted to have here is we we wanted to expose people to um, new and different ideas and experiences that they may not have gone and sought out on their own. Um, you know, the, the point, that point kind of extends on the the previous goal of making the podcast educational. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, different guests that we're going to have on, and I would hope that it's interesting because you learned something. Sure. Um I know for a fact some of the guys that we're going to have on are way smarter than me about a lot of different things, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so that's kind of the goal that I have in mind. Did I miss no. something? I mean, it's, you know, connecting people that I think it will boil down to. We're going to try and connect people that would not have ordinarily connected on their own. Because the context of their relationships were very small and a very, they're small in a very big, big world of data and stuff and distractions. Sure. So it's one of the things that we taught. We don't want to limit the topics or the categories that we that we have uh, because we want to make it a, a wide appeal to as many people as possible. And intentionally didn't limit our topics or categories, so hence the name No Limits.
2: Um, let me let me interrupt here for a second um, as I take a sip of coffee. You know, after we came up with the No Limits name, hmm? I thought of a couple other names. Oh, I knew you would.
0: Oh, yeah. But it's too late. That's why I wanted you to create cover art because then you won't go back and change the name. I know, Doesn't but I was,
2: know? I was thinking a name would have been really cool if it was Over a Cup of Joe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would have shot that down. You get it, Immediately. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. No limits. Yeah. So if we did that, if we said, okay, this is going to be a podcast about faith only in waterfall, well, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to tune in. Just like if we just talked about gear, or if we just talked about photography, or if we just talked, there's a lot of guys that are going to, ah, you know, I'm not interested in that. Sure, but by having a wide, kind of a, a wide array of, of topics and categories and things that we talk about. Hopefully somebody that, you know, has an interest in photography, for example, will listen and say, man, I was a couple of good episodes. I'm going to check out this other one uh, with this other guy who I don't know who it is. And they hear something about faith or they hear something about Creation, or they hear they hear something that they would not have ordinarily taken time out of their day to subscribe to, yeah, and that's really that's really what we wanted to do.
2: Well, and I think you know, not necessarily passion or pursuit, having such a narrow focus or being faith based, but if you if you remove the show as a whole and even focus on just content, um, it's a narrow. Perspective, um, where we we look strictly waterfowl or strictly faith-based, mm-hmm. and in all actuality, especially if you ask the people that we hunt with or friends, um, that's not all we do. It's not all we talk about, um, and this kind of sheds light on that. Whereas the show has a format, Passionate Pursuit films have a format um and we have a message that is is uh founded in the gospel and we don't want to veer off of that because that's the format right we're here we can veer off of that mm-hmm. we can say you know we can talk about this and we can shed light on this and have this guest and talk about cooking we're not going to interrupt a film to have a cooking segment that's just right, not the right, format right um so the podcast gives more freedom to expand on more of the identity of passion or pursuit,
0: but it, it so it reflects, I think, reality too, though, because as you said, that's not all we do is talk about faith and what do you believe, in? what do you believe, and what's this guy believe and oh, right. this guy believes. It's not all we do um, to that end. You guys are going to listen. Um, you are going to hear some bad words every now and again not super bad no f-bombs or anything like that but we're guys yeah. and i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm just saying that's sometimes that kind of stuff happens and it it slips and it, it doesn't mean that um we're bad guys or we're not really christians or we don't really believe what we say we believe we're just we are real guys and so don't anybody get twisted all right don't anybody get your your egg scrambled because you hear you know something that you wouldn't hear in church because that's not what this is about. This is a real reflection of who we are and who a vast majority of guys are. Um, and those kind of things are going to happen. Like I said, we're not going to... No one is going to come on here and drop ep, drop ep bombs or anything else, but you're going to be like, wait a minute, that dude just say shit? Yeah, he did. I'm never listening again. <laughs> really really uh but that being said you know we we didn't i typically or intentionally rather didn't want to i wanted i wanted the format of the podcast to kind of almost mirror or mimic the the format of um passion or pursuit and how we created the episodes is like just whatever comes up comes up and just like whatever happens on a hunt is what we show that happens and we don't mask it we you say okay the first 15 seconds is this and then we're going to have this 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 and this and then 45 seconds of this and then cut for no it's just i'm not going do roll that way you're no so what i wanted guys to kind of feel like is it's you're at a big duck camp right you got a lot of guys there some guys know each other some guys don't and you got the guys that know each other that are talking about things that are familiar and another group of guys kind of walk up and just start talking and fall into the conversation Um, and then you leave there saying i don't know if i ever want to see that guy again but chances are you leave there going "Yeah, a good group of guys we're in camp with last night yeah and talking about things that because you didn't know them probably would have never come up Uh, You know, in your circle of friends, people tend to gravitate to who and what they know. And it's just our belief that if you can knock down some of those barriers and start talking to people, I think that there's a lot more that unites us than divides us. And if we can just sit down and have a conversation about different things and realize that we've got a lot more in common than just waterfowl, or say, man, that guy was talking about something really cool, I'm going to look into that. Um, I, for example, fitness, I was letting myself get F A T fat really big. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't interested in going to pick up heavy things and putting them down a lot, did not move my needle. Um, but you know, I started looking and especially when you started working out and losing a lot of weight and you're kind of letting yourself go again, but that's all right. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not something that I would have gone and, you know, seeked out on my own to get right back and, right. And, back. and so that's, that's some of the, that's, um, that's kind of some of the things that we're going to talk about. Of course we're going to this, everything that we do, we, meaning me individually, you individually, the guys that we work with a lot of them individually, yeah, there's faith-based, and some of that's going to come into discussion. And we're going to have guys on that the whole topic is faith-based, sure, um, or inspirational. Um, photography, videography—did I say that right? Is that a word? That is a word. Uh, it, it's a—it's a confusing word to
2: most. The difference between videography and cinematography, but yes, it's a word.
0: Why? What is the difference? So that's—I am one of the most. So you're somebody. A, you remember? You remember who used that word? Before no, c- somebody,
2: c- somebody said videolog- videography.
0: Somebody said that, and I was like, no, that's not a word. No, I thought I thought he said cinematography.
2: That's what I just did say. No, you said... I said videography
0: and cinematography. Okay, so what's the... The difference is... Because when he said that, and I'm not... There's no way I'm going to say who it was. Um, but when he said that, I, you had this look on your face like, had he just and i don't know why so i just went along with it like i'm like yeah that dude's dumb i don't know what he's talking. i have (laughs) no idea what you're talking about right now (laughs) anyway yeah you do you know who said that and anyway go ahead what's the difference between the two um videography
2: is uh more of a one-man band it's a guy who controls camera and audio together so if you see a guy with a camera on his shoulder and it has a microphone sticking out of it um he's most likely a videographer. The the audio is tied to the video and he is controlling focus and zoom and record and audio. One guy doing that. Yeah, it's a one-man band, you know. You might have two. But cinematography is um a term for you know, he doesn't even have to be running the the camera. And and Hollywood terms, he most likely won't be running a camera. That'll be a camera operator, and the cinematographer, which is also director of photography. Same, um, same exact term. Two different words. Um, they are casting the director's vision visually. They're in charge of lighting and camera. So.
0: Yeah. Now, now you remember whom I'm talking? Yeah.
2: Okay. Good. Um, so, so there and uh, and he said videographer. That's what he said. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, difference is videography is pretty much a one man band. Um, he's going to be controlling almost all aspects of the final picture, and cinematography or cinematographer is. Um, kind of casting a director's vision um, and he is the head of a camera crew and lighting crew so that's you know well a lot of people have been throwing around the term cinematographer just because it sounds more legit or because they're doing a cinema style film you know they take a DSLR with a um, a lens and they throw depth of field in there and they start mm-hmm. using these terms. And because it looks like it's cinema, um, shallow depth of field and rack focused and they can say, Oh, I'm a cinematographer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but that's not, it's not what the term means. Who do you really like? If you look at just Instagram, right? There's some really, really talented. Yes. Like, especially in, the waterfowl like guys that we just we cross paths with a lot yeah
2: um so not you know i try to stay away from waterfowl uh strictly waterfowl content creators because uh, i've noticed when i start looking at that i'll gravitate towards that style Hmm. um especially if they are, in my eyes, more successful than I am, then I'll start going, okay, well, maybe I need to have my stuff look like this, or maybe I need to do this. Yeah. And um, I mean, that all stems from, like, mindset when I first got into the industry. Uh, I learned a lot of things that really broke my heart. Coming from a fan of outdoor television. Oh, yeah. We talked – you need to talk about it <clears throat> um, I would watch – outdoor television as a kid or with my grandfather and you just don't you're oblivious to what really goes on behind the scenes or if it's a good show you should be oblivious and so you you think that these stories are unfolding the way that Hmm. that you're seeing them and in all actuality they're not there's a lot of things and not calling anybody out or saying anything, and not every single show, but no, because they are marketing from, from yeah, from recreation, uh, to baiting to um, uh, cutaways, just things that happen. I can remember really thinking as a kid watching a on look on TNN before there was ever any sort of outdoor network on TNN and ESPN, you'd watch hunting on this on the weekend mornings, yeah. And um I can remember le- legitimately thinking how in the world do they have five or
0: six camera guys hidden in right. the woods? Right. And how did the camera guy find the deer before the hunter did? Right. And like look how surprised the guy is and yeah. the cameraman's right there. Super naive. Uh
2: the 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 <laughs> video the video where it looks back into the blind. Yeah. Like, from a deer's perspective. How did they and not like, see the camera guy? I'm like, what is the camera guy standing in the middle of a food plot? <laughs> deer's just walking in. Um, and, and you know, I just I didn't know any better. And so uh, when I got to work on some of these shows and seeing how it happened, um, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and it was it was comical, too. It wasn't, like, literally heartbreaking. Because I can remember my grandfather yelling at the TV, oh, this deer's going to do this, and then this is going to happen. And sure enough, that's what would happen. And he would just yell, and this is fake, and he's off. And, um, you know, like. Papa's just mad. Why is he so yeah. mad? Unfortunately. He was right. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away before uh, I, I made this my career. But I can remember the first couple of shows when I would be filming, I would just laugh, um, and I would think of him and go, Gosh, <laughs> "That's got to be funny." Yeah, I wish I wish you were alive so I could tell you that you were right. You, you were know, right. These Stories and whatnot, but um, he was right about a lot
0: of things. Mm-hmm. Grandpas usually are.
2: <clears throat> yeah. So after I started working on these shows, I quit watching them, uh, just because there was no element of surprise. There was no wonder anymore. I knew kind of what was going to happen and how it was unfolded. I knew how they got that shot. Yeah. And it wasn't like there was there. In my opinion, there was only one show actual television show that was doing cutting edge things and still providing that sense of wonder. Um, and that, that was Heartland Bowhunter. But outside of that, if I watched a show, I wasn't learning anything, mm-hmm. and so there was no real point in watching it. So who I follow on social media, a couple of them are involved in the outdoor industry. Um, they don't they don't do shows. They'll do a film or they'll do a lot of commercial work. But they are by far. By far the best. Um, like when I want to grow up, I want to be like them, and mm-hmm. I'll say I'll say that when I'm 60 because they'll yeah. probably still be kicking ass. Yeah. Um, and then I follow a lot of people outside of the outdoor industry that don't have anything to do with hunting and fishing, and, and as far as I know, a lot of them are against it. They're anti-hunting. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but, but you know what I've noticed about that? How many how many independent film or producers of film are just really good content that have nothing to do with hunting that you think would be against what we do? Follow us on Instagram and are the first ones that like, man, this is a kick ass shot. Yeah. Like it doesn't like those are the guys that know it it can be it can be a ball laying in the middle of the yard or it can be geese. Pitching in, or it can be what they appreciate the setting and how you framed it, and how you colored it, and what you saw in that. Yeah, I, f- I feel like storytellers in general
2: can can look at an image, whether it's pulled from motion or it's a it's a still image, and understand that just out of framing that it was a good story. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people that can recognize storytelling. And they're not necessarily looking at the content as much as they're looking at
0: the storytelling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's there's a special talent, or, yeah, there is. And there's a few people that I think that I follow that can tell, if not tell a specific story with a single image, can take a single image and make you feel like, I know exactly what that dude was feeling. And like that, make those images so familiar to the people that have been there because they are so nothing is staged, and it's really really difficult to be Johnny on the spot every time with. The, but the really, the really, the guys that are super good at it, um, I find. Now you may say this is a crock, but I think that I can spot someone's work and know with a pretty good degree of certainty whose it is. Like before I look at who's tagged in it or film cred or whatever. Yeah. I can do the same thing. Um, I, um,
2: I'm off the top of my head. I'm thinking of of quite a few people that have signature work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: And I can look at their image and, and know that they took that or, and if they didn't, then I can pretty much guarantee that whoever did the the editing pulled inspiration from that person. Yeah, because they're so unique. The mm-hmm. person the person that I believe is the creator is so unique that if somebody else did it, they were trying
0: deliberately to look like that person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's the kind of things that we'll talk about, like when we get really good. I think really creative people on that either film or stills or whatever. There's a, there's a lot of guys that I think could learn a lot from the P and I don't think there's anything wrong with you can learn without imitating. And I think that's a good thing. um, It's a hard, it's a very hard thing Um, because a lot of what you just talked about, uh, well, mine's not as good as theirs because of this, that. I mean, yeah. it's a, I can see where that would be. A-
2: I stopped. The 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 last outdoor television show that I watched faithfully, like I would DVR it or when it would come on at 8 p.m. on Mondays, like that's where I would be. Um, The last show was Heartland Bowhunter. And the only reason I stopped watching their content was because my work started to look like theirs. Mm-hmm. Um I mean really bad like
0: I would even notice like I can't I gotta do something different with this because it looks just like HB and the content's not bad uh, and the content is gorgeous what's yeah. bad is when you think that you're starting to emulate somebody else because you like them so much
2: right um, or that's just even if you don't like them so much if that's just all you're seeing right then that's you, you get know, a really like, narrow vision of right what good that's right is. yeah Um, so yeah, I, I stopped watching their stuff, um, just because I needed to figure out my own identity, uh, and what I liked
0: within my own work. And yeah, yeah. There's one show that I watch religiously that I will not miss.
2: I know what show it is too. I don't know the name of it, but I know exactly what show. It's the island. Tuesday night. Yeah.
1: Curse of Oak Island.
0: Yeah. Jeez. See
2: <laughs> see There's, see, there's something see, down there, dude. You would have the exact same experiences that I had that I just talked about with the outdoor television. If you could just go in there set once, <laughs> it would all be fake. It would be heartbreaking to you. It's not, man.
0: Okay. It's not. It's real. Hey man. Whatever helps you sleep at night. That and Bigfoot files, not a Another thing we're going to talk about is different. We're going to have different representatives on from different companies, different gear manufacturers. Um, we work a lot with Tangle Free. Um, just, I love those guys. You know, somebody said, "What What in life makes you happy? What do you want for Christmas? Love and Tangle Free. That's what I want. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah." But um, Tangle Free, Sitka—we're a big, you know, big believer in Sitka—the performance of their stuff, or when well, it's just yeah, absolutely just just good gear. And, there, and there's a lot of other. I mean, we've got a really, really good relationship with like Tahatsu and I've enjoyed just beating the crap out of their motors. Good stuff. We're going to talk a lot about. We're in South Louisiana, so cooking is. <laughs> down here that's like a religion cooking in itself so we got some really good guys lined up for that i assume we're going to talk about a gumbo in one of those we need to get ronnie on and talk about ronnie rice Ooh, anybody that has not experienced ronnie rice it's like manna from heaven yeah so let's talk about that so ronnie condo is in he's right outside of wichita and, um <laughs> one, the first time we hunted with those guys, you remember like um, was that when we got his truck stuck? yes, yes, that was the it was in the field that was yeah, that was one of the
2: best hunts filming wise, like every time we go there every
0: time we've gone there since to film, that's what I'm hoping for. We use that as kind of the measuring stick of yeah. That's like the standard. That field, not just that trip. No, that field, everything. So if you if you guys watch season two, episode four and five, Giants part one and part two, most of that was filmed in that field. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was the thing. The thing about, and it's not just it's Ronnie. I mean, there's a crew of guys that what, six seven guys maybe. Yeah, Slim, um, Kenny.
2: Um, yeah I, was, I knew Kenny I'm thinking about the other one He's big into working out now too yeah I know. Kelly Kelly that's it
0: Kenny and Kelly Ronnie slim who else are we missing they Had a couple of uh... a couple of guys pop in and out of there yeah but the thing the thing that makes those guys so successful is number one they work super super well together yeah. We're like really really good together they have. I think just about every field in probably a three county area, like they have permission, and they're just they're super good about maintaining those relationships. I and for somebody that had never really done like legit drive around and scout goose hunting. You know, like for big Canada's or looking for a field of big cacklers. Even that first night, we saw that whole, remember that? Yeah. We got on the side of the road and filmed I remember that. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be epic. Yeah. Um, But they will ride around and stay in constant contact with one another about what they're seeing, coming from where, going to what field, what part of the field, how can they get in, who owns the field, how can they get in the field easily and get out easily. Then we meet up at Ronnie's everything you know they kind of come up with a plan and i act like oh yeah that's a yeah the hell do i know <laughs> I'm just, you know i'm just a dude that's there yeah. um but if you were like when we pull into the the thing that makes it work like when they're on the ground i was thinking about one of the things that makes me super happy is the sound of a diesel truck in a cornfield at 4 a.m in the morning yeah. 5 a.m there's just something about that sound that i just really like but these guys, will they'll pull up in the field, and when the tailgate drops on Ronnie's trailer, it's like SEAL Team 6. Yeah, he's got the whiteboards. Oh, do you open the side door up, and he's got this whiteboard, and it's like, okay, so... He's got magnets and a dry erase marker. Yeah, so, all right, here, the magnets are the layout blinds, or the A-frame, or the panel blinds, whatever we're using. And they're going to set them up here, and then the decoys are going to go here. This is the wind, and so we're going to make it kind of swing this way, so when they come this way, they swing ready break break yeah and it's like what just ronnie can i nope nope can i do that nope well what about nope we got it okay well i'll just be sitting here yeah you guys let me know when i can do something but it works because everybody knows their job and everybody is just on this they've just been doing it for so long right and he's got a pimped out trailer dude he's
2: got a pimped out garage
0: oh my gosh dude like his garage is a small, um, I want to say Max Prairie Wings, but that's not really. It, like everything has a place, and every like when my garage grows up, I want it to look just like Ronnie Condo's. Yeah, it, it, and it it it's got
2: it's got seasonal phases. Like these decoys on the left wall is early season, and then these decoys on the back wall. This is what we use during this month, mm-hmm. and then very late season, the decoys that are stuffed in egg crated pillowcases that cannot be dropped. Those are the fully flocked. Those are the late David season. Smiths. Yeah, with with neck collars on them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. It, it, like, his garage is categorized like you would categorize files on your right. computer. His garage is like he could he could load his trailer up blindfolded if you tell him what part of the season it is,
2: and he. Look, this is a um, microcosm. Um, Yeah, there you go, dude. No, 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 because I'm I'm wrong. Um, He parks a 16 foot trailer in a 12 foot garage (laughs) backwards (laughs) with no backup camera. Like, check. The wheels scrape the edges of the garage. And he just backs it in. Hey, we're going to get pizza. We're going to a pizza buffet. (laughs) Backs the trailer in.
0: And there's not a mark on the garage. Look, nothing.
2: (laughs) Nothing. Dude Uh, is a mad scientist when it comes to killing geese.
0: That's one of the most disappointing things about our season this last year is that our trip with him just fell through.
2: It was the first time in four years.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I i would I would
2: remove every single trip we had this year. And look, I'm sorry if we hunted with you this year. <laughs> this is nothing against you. Um, but I would remove every trip we went on last year if I could just go back and hunt with Ronnie once. And like I said, that's nothing against anybody we hunted with or any place we went. It's that for the first time in four years, we didn't go to a place that we call home. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, Passion of Pursuit was born in the timber. That, that can never be disputed. It was in the Mississippi Delta, in the timber. That's the one place we had to be each season. And that's just kind of transformed to Wichita. Yeah. Um, you know, we're still, or Kansas in general, but Ronnie condos in general. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still nothing like the timber ever, 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 and there never will be. Um, that's just kind of where we're rooted, but we have certainly blossomed through condos camp. You know, which do you is remember? His house, but I mean, as people. Yeah.
0: Do you remember? Um, so where we're talking about where we first started filming in the timber, it was our very first episode that we filmed. And I think it was probably one of the f- first times like you and I, like we, and we're going to talk about how we got started, but um, that point that we walk up yeah. at, you remember? Um, that first group that came and just sat down right in front of us. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm going to say that I remember this is because you actually showed emotion, yeah. Which doesn't doesn't often happen. Like when I think something's you know pretty epic, I look over and you're like looking at your nails or something. I'm like, <laughs> D- were you on? I'm. What just happened? That that I I, I remember that as our first hunt, but.
2: Uh, my first couple of trips it, when when Jeremy came from California. Oh my god. <laughs> I was still filming on a, a um Sony uh fixed lens AX two thousand mm-hmm. and you know it's it's weird to see the progression of what you think is good as a um as a content creator, I guess, because I can remember that was my dream camera. It was a Sony AX2000. Um, man, if I, if I could get this camera, then I can do this, and I can do that, and I can do this. And uh, that camera became a huge limitation once I learned how to do other things. But yeah, the first couple of episodes, or the first, I, I'll say
0: episodes. Season,
2: really. The first few times we filmed together, that's the camera I used, and so when I think about the footage we got, I'm just like, I don't know maybe this is diva it it when I think about the footage we got there I'm like go. that was that was trash like that was all trash, but it was epic moments, but it was just trash footage.
0: I don't agree but well. <laughs> but that I mean. We talked about that not too long ago, I mean, guys that use kind of marginal footage and just somehow make it work
2: oh yeah um look the the guys that I said I look up to the most um, the guys the a one guys that I want to grow up to be like um they put out a film a few years ago, and I can remember watching that um. I could, well, shoot, it was quite a long time. It was more than a few years ago they put this this film out. But when I watched it, I went back and looked at every gigabyte of crappy footage I had and tried to figure out how I could use it because they used it and they made it work. They used like VCR yeah. footage um, and made it work. And I was like, okay, so it is possible. You just right, have to frame, right, right. you just have to frame it this way or do this right. or do that. So yeah, you know, I think eventually that footage will be super valuable um, to one of our projects because it is dated. It's old. It looks old. Um, you know, the the camera equipment was quote unquote marginal, um, and so I think it'll if if you frame it right and put it together
0: right, it'll show history. Well, my, my beard was darker then, too. So, I don't think you can get away from showing history anyway. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know. old Santa Claus. Santa Claus. So, that's kind of an interesting segue. One of the questions that we had was, um, let me find it. which video cameras and other equipment do we use? Let's start what we talked about, what we started out with, but that we use now? Because so we actually get that question kind of often on instagram like what did you shoot this on yeah um so handheld uh no yeah no, it, it, is, it is a handheld, hand-held. Yeah.
2: um so we started out with a canon xa10 um that was the very first camera uh and i think i had a 5d mark no i had a canon 7d and then very shortly after, within like the next time I went and filmed, I had a Canon 5D Mark III and um, the Sony AX 2000s. And then a few months later um, we got the RED and we've been shooting on that ever since. Uh, whenever we got it, it was a Epic 5K. And then when that was upgradable, We sent it in and got it upgraded to a Dragon Sensor 6K. And that's what I stuck with. Um, I get a lot of questions as to why I have not upgraded to um, Weapon 8K or Epic Weapon 8K or any of the new um, red bodies, the DSMC2 bodies. Um, They do have a way to upgrade now to where I can keep all of my camera settings the same. If I were to upgrade to 8K, I would lose frame rates that I want to keep right now. So some of the slow motion frame rates in certain resolutions, if I upgrade, I lose that. And um, that married to the cost of upgrading, I just, to me right now, it's not worth it. To me, it's not worth it. It is totally worth it. Mm-hmm i don't ever want to say it's not worth it to somebody um but for what i'm doing and what i want to do i'm just really comfortable in the the setup i have right now uh i feel like it's future-proof because i can shoot in 6k and down res to 4k even though we're just down resing everything to 1080 um so i don't i just don't have a huge need to upgrade to spend the money to upgrade so right now, everything we're doing is on a uh, Canon 5D Mark fours um, or one D X's
0: and um, red
2: dragon six
0: K. So that's also a pretty good segue. So we had a question as we were talking about the evolution of our gear and how things, where they started and where they are now. One of the questions was how did passion of pursuit start?
2: Okay, what is the uh, awesome crazy lady's name? Oh, Joycelyn Boudreaux. Okay, all right. I'll let you tell that side of the story. Um, I'll tell my side of the story. You want to tell them at the same time? Mm -hmm. No, I don't think that's going to work too well. Okay. So I, um, I don't even know what year it was, but I had gotten saved the day my son was born. And within three or four years, um, I, I did quote-unquote what, what Christian circles call backsliding. Um, I had gotten into a, a relationship and just kind of lost my way or, or gave up my walk. Um, and then when I started filming um, – I got an opportunity to film at a big buck contest in Simmons Sporting Goods in North Louisiana. And I called, um, Jep Robertson and wanted to meet with the Duck Commander guys. And he referred me to... Look, I'm, I'm horrible at names. Um, he referred me to a guy at a... um a Baptist church up there just to go and meet and talk with those guys. Cause I was like, look, I'm, I'm really struggling in my faith and I want to talk to some guys about where I am and, and what I can do to kind of get back on path and just all of that. And so I went and talked to those guys for about six hours. Um, and I drove back home and just, it was like a five hour drive back home and I just prayed the whole time. Um and just felt a a renewal in my spirit. And three or four days later you called. And that was just like confirmation. Because um, you know, you said, Hey, you know, we have this waterfowl show, I have this ministry, Revelation Outdoors, and um i don't think you knew and i'll let you tell the website bible verse part of the story but i don't think you knew i was a christian until you actually came here with zach y'all knocked on the door and then i was like oh wait i'm a christian but um you know it, it came i think it came down to cost like that was the final deal was okay we want you to film for us we need this we have this need in our ministry we don't have any budget. Um, what is this going to cost us? And I'm like, oh, nothing. Like I want to serve God. <laughs> like this is my, like no, no it, it does cost something. Well, and so yeah, I said, yeah. I said, uh, gas right. and food, right? I said, just as long as I don't have to pay for gas Which to get the food there,
0: part is even more than the gas.
2: Yeah, as right. long as I don't have to pay, as long as I don't have to pay for gas to get there, and as long as I don't go hungry while I'm there, let's just see how God works this out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's. Um, that's not how passionate pursuit started. So I'll let Mm-mm. you tell the other side of that story, and then we can go into passionate pursuit because
0: passionate pursuit's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So three days before, um, I call. Well, no, several days before I call Brian. Um, so I was, I turned my life over to Christ, um, December eleventh of twenty ten, and it's it's a long, kind of a dirty story, but. Um, Anyway, I was standing next to a huge cypress tree in the Mississippi Delta where Brian and I filmed our very first episode. And the only reason that... Um, the, the long part of the story is God pursued me through my love of pursuing greenheads in the timber. Long story short. And I got to thinking... Um, if if he if he can do that with me uh, because I was on fire dude I mean any from that point on once I knew the truth um, I just started consuming scripture and going man I didn't know this and I didn't know that and um, I said if he can use if he uses waterfowling or hunting ducks to reach me maybe there's a way that I can share what we see and other guys see but maybe i can get them to look at it a little bit differently like the sun comes up in the morning right and inevitably somebody will say hi man that's beautiful how can you look at that and say there's no god well now i know there's a verse that actually says you can't right i mean romans 120 says you can clearly see you can clearly see and appreciate his divine power and godhead so the problem that i was having and Zach Martin, who was there with me, the problem I was having is, and it's a it's a small problem for guys that want to maybe film hunts. You probably have to know how to run a camera, which I didn't. Um, it was painfully obvious. Um, and so I, I just remember having this. It's, I just I think that there's something there. Like if we can just tell this story and get get guys to maybe think of things see things a little bit differently the problem is I don't know how to do that and so Leslie my wife was friends with uh Joycelyn Boudreaux on and she's a really really talented like artist in in South Louisiana Copperhead Studios yeah Copperhead Studios shout out check Word, word up check um
2: that's my homa girl
0: oh she's pure pedigree homa dude yeah all 100% like Matt Robertson would say, keeping, keeping it 100 with you. On a strength. Um, well, it was during the Sportsman Show that I think you guys met, and Leslie looked at a post and saw a picture of you and her, and I think it was about the time you started Full Focus or yeah. had been doing it. And um, she goes, you know, hey, you need to check this guy out because he's in Baton Rouge, and he does, like, outdoor, you know, videos and stuff and so maybe there's something and so I went to your website and it had Genesis 27 3 which is basically Isaac telling Esau go take your bow take your weapons and go kill wild game for me yeah. and so I think, well you know maybe this well a lot of guys put that on their website that ain't like quite legit, legit so I didn't know no, but I had an idea and so I called you up and that first conversation like I think for probably the first, maybe 12 minutes, we talked about this project, and the other hour and a half, we talked about just how awesome it is that you and I, I had just become saved, and you had just kinda rededicated your faith at like almost to the day. Yeah. Which was like super freaky. Yeah. Right? Um, Like Rick James, super freaky. For sure. And so, i called zach and i said hey i got this guy in baton rouge and i think you know let's just go talk and see what happens so we pulled up here knocked on the door pulled up here and we're sitting in your studio right down the hall there and um we're going through some of your work which i thought was you call now not maybe not so much i'll I'll. so you're going through these videos and things that you have shot, and I'm just captivated. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, okay, that's expensive. <laughs> like I, I don't even know what. Like I'm looking at all the cameras all over the place, and I've, you know, I'm just like, there's, there's no way. But I, yeah, this is great. So we had that conversation. So man, this, is, you know, we're into the project, and we're already thinking about how things can. You know, we can do different things. I got a great place to hunt. I got a great place with timber and everything, camp and all that. And um, I said, the only problem is I can't pay you. Remember that? Yeah. And you're like, man, it's all, you know, it's all good. I've been praying to use this as kind of a ministry. And, you know, you cover gas and food and and I'm in. And I'm like, Awesome. (laughs) So Zach and I sat in your driveway were pulling out, and I'm like, man, I have no idea what just happened back there. (laughs) And Zach's like, God showed up. That's what happened. I'm like, Roger that. And so I'll let you pick up about how much we created and just had no idea what we were going to do with it. Yeah, so from
2: there, this is this is revelation outdoors. This is not passionate pursuit. Yeah, that
0: wasn't even a thing.
2: So, you know, we went and filmed um what did you call that little this not deception? Um uh, Exodus. Mhm. We had filmed for a season and had no idea what we were going to do with the footage. So I literally just running camera, wasting cards. And we'd get back and we'd talk about, oh, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And in the back of my mind, I'm going, well, I didn't shoot it that way. Right. And so then we did um, we did an interview here at the house mm-hmm. on what is Revelation Outdoors. Yep. And then we did like this three-minute Crappy hype video called Exodus where stuff just died. Yeah. And um, that was all shot on Sony X2000. And um, it was just, in my opinion, it was horrible. <laughs> like, like, bold, like impact font typeface. Yeah. Um, just, I had no idea what I was doing. Any case. <laughs> I, think, I think the next year we filmed and ran into the same problem. Next year we filmed the entire year again. Um, I'm not sure we even met Heath this year. Mm-mm. We just filmed all in the Delta again. And at the end of that season, it was like, okay, now what are we going to do? And that presented the problem that created Passion or Pursuit as a Solution. Um. The problem was still, Joey, we're not filming for any purpose. Mm-hmm. We're just going out there and shooting video. And as long as we're doing that, we're going to produce the same. Killing a lot of
0: ducks. Yeah. but.
2: Um, and so out of that problem of what are we shooting for, Passion or Pursuit was born. And really, man, I don't remember. I don't remember the the creation process of Passion of Pursuit or how it really came out. I remember thinking of names and going through it and then,
0: you know, us coming up with Passion Pursuit. You remember where we were when we came up with that? Nope. You don't remember? No. Waffle House in Hammond. I'm glad you said that. You remember that now? I do now. Um, I feel like all of our good ideas happen in a Waffle House. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: I've been on a Waffle House kick lately too, man. Um, Anyway, so Passion of Pursuit gave me as a content creator a purpose to shoot because we kind of went over a loose format, um, you know, and then we found Carbon TV, but then we were behind uh, the eight ball per se because we had a... We had a home for the footage in Carbon TV, and we had an idea, but now we were we were literally behind. We, we had to shoot, to produce, to deliver. Uh, nothing we had. So episode one was like, okay, we have all this footage that has no purpose, let's kind of mold it, a clay ball, and make something, mm-hmm. and that would be episode one. So episode one was literally a ball of footage that had no purpose whatsoever, and it was like the creation story of Passion of Pursuit. Mm-hmm. And then that year, we met Heath and filmed another episode, and then we were just constantly trying to get someplace to film so that we can produce another episode, because our goal was five episodes a year. Right. So that's kind of how Passion of Pursuit came to be. Um, I would I would run the creative side, um, and you would run the ministry and business side. So motion culture would kind of be the house of Passion or Pursuit's creative um, side. And Revelation Outdoors would be the house of Passionate Pursuit's
0: ministry and mission and business. And if you sort of talk about how relationships run in circles and how important they are. So we just mentioned Heath Whitmore, right, in Arkansas, St. Mm-hmm. Charles, arkansas yeah and you remember how we met ronnie so we yeah. just talked about ronnie nico. yeah, nico so we're at a lodge in arkansas and this guy's there hunting with another guy and we just start talking and this guy's name is nico marcos who is really just a marketing and social media guy's super super smart with that works with some you know some pretty well-known outdoor companies um and that was the second episode that we were shooting and mm-hmm. what's funny about that episode is the week before memory had gotten cold oh yeah and Heath, they were just smashing pintails and mallards and flooded corn i mean just smashing them yeah. and so we fell into the trap and i'm glad we fell into it early yeah, cuz we fell into the trap of okay, we're going to go there and we're going to get this shot and we're going to film this shot and we and we're going to get this kill shot and this and that and this. I don't think we killed four birds. No, we killed three. Yeah, three birds in what, 4 days? Yeah. Um and so it was really just a at the at the time and you had gotten real sick too. Like one day oh, you dude, couldn't even
2: Yeah. I remember that. I it I slept in um I slept in that room. It had no windows, none. Like, it was a door. <laughs> it's like in the a Connex box. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I literally put my laptop on. Somebody, I asked you to go run and get some Theraflu and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just met it up and slept and watched movies on my laptop for, like, a solid 24 hours. Like, s- sweating buckshot fever. Um, like, I legit had the flu.
0: And it was bad. There are flu in Copenhagen, please. Yeah, that's what I mean for sure. And so I was yeah. dipping grizzly back then. Oh yeah, and yeah, we graduated since then. Yeah. Um, and so we meet this guy named Nico Marcos in the middle of this episode of this thing, this trip that we thought was just going to be this epic. Look how cool we are, and I think that God had way different plans because he put us in touch with guys like Nico, who said, you know, I've got a contact in Kansas that just slaughters geese. Put us in touch with Ronnie Kondo. Ronnie Kondo put us in touch with Travis Sipe, who's just, that dude is down to clown and mm-hmm. whenever, you, whenever you're ready to do it, um, but a super, super talented outfitter in Kansas. Um, but that whole trip, showed us what we were really in this for and made us sell out to, okay, whatever happens, good, bad, or indifferent, it happens for a reason, and there's a story behind it, and you two, your job is to figure out what that story is and see how it points to me and tell that story. And that is what every single thing that we have, I think, to this point done and it's difficult to do. We've had, in that one season, I man, we're coming back like, I didn't want to see you, you didn't, oh, you didn't yeah. want to see me. Mm-hmm.
2: Jonathan Jonathan was there with us, Murray filmed that year. Yeah. I called anybody and everybody I could to film because um, I just couldn't keep up doing it by myself. And then one trip was like, we had spent 19 days on the road. Um, Cause I remember we went to Missouri Mm-hmm. And, or like we were supposed to go to Missouri and that froze up. We were in Arkansas. We stayed at that Red Roof Inn. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had spent like 19 days together and not killed many things. And then, um, you know, honestly, man, that trip, I don't want to, you need to have Jonathan on here uh, for a podcast because that did something to him um, where our actions as men of faith uh try to figure out how to navigate this so we in the midst of all this we had the men's group here at my house yep so we had had a men's group come as you are bring Mm -hmm. a pack bring a case of beer i don't care if you're an addict i don't care like i don't care just come here and let's just talk about life yeah um and you know we read bibles and we watched um we watched the John Eldridge. Uh, beautiful the, Outlaw. Yeah, Beautiful Outlaw. And Jonathan, in my opinion, again, you have to have him on here to kind of clarify, but he was really searching for his faith. And he And He's my cousin, and, um, and I always thought growing up that he had a super strong faith. Didn't realize until the men's group that maybe it was more shaken than I had thought. And he came along with us. I really feel searching um, for something solid. Uh, I think maybe that he saw something good that we were doing, and that nineteen day road trip did the opposite to him yeah. did because we weren't physically fighting, but we weren't speaking. Mm-hmm. We, we were clearly angry, um, we were confused by all accounts, we were lost. Right. I mean, we were looking for ducks and not God and we just, I really felt like we led him astray but at the same time, um, I think we turned him off on Passion or Pursuit and like coming to help us film and all that because he's like, well, you know, I was coming hoping that I was going to be spiritually fed right? and I'm not at all. I'm not going back to that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the opposite of what I'm looking for. But then, you know, in God's perfect, all-knowing plan, um, Jonathan found what he was looking like. It that put I feel like that pushed him maybe in another direction to find what he did find, and, and finally some solid ground to stand on. And he is a, I mean, he's one of my rocks yeah, when dude's it comes on to, the right path. Now. Yeah, when it comes to
0: faith. But yeah, that um, I kind of feel like at least I anyway. Showed him what a Christian should not be.
1: Yeah,
2: and and, and us, I and I, own, us as a, I totally own that. Oh, and us as a group, we were we were a Christian group that if you had an inside look, like look from the outside, you know, passionate pursuit and oh, uh, uh, you know, guys are killing it. Yeah, and, Jesus and all that. From the outside, man, it it looked yeah. good, but we were rotting from within. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I specifically remember that 19 day trip where, um, dude, I think we drove back.
0: From uh I think we were in Arkansas, no, we were in the delta you remember that's that's when it was so cold and I got so wet. you remember when I fell in yeah. like up to my neck
2: but we did didn't we hunt with a uh, Wade shoemaker that trip and uh Cody golf we't that it was a nineteen yeah, day trip man. yeah, we but we everywhere. finished off
0: in the Delta we came from Arkansas and yeah. remember yeah, yeah.
2: So, but, but from from the Delta home, I think we rode together and we did not speak a word. It was like four and a half hour drive. We did not utter yeah. a word. Yep. Um. And it was not long, after, and we didn't speak for a while after that too. Man, that was that was a dark, it was a dark time for Passionate Pursuit. But we didn't speak for a little while after that because, um, you know, on top of all the turmoil we were going through personally, when I got home, I was like, we just spent, you know, sixty days, and. A couple of them were consecutive three week bouts, and I don't have footage to show for it, like we didn't do crap mm-hmm. and then you
0: felt like that was your fault, so Roger, that I mean it was just it well was but, bad. and because because here's the thing, so anytime you have a team failure, which we did, we had a total team failure, right I feel and You're military. I'm military. I always feel that that comes down on the shoulders of the leader. Has to. Not only did you get, did you accomplish your mission, but what was your, in this case, what was the attitude coming out of that? Yeah. And a lot of that was because I was feeling so much pressure to, again, we slipped out of what we learned in episode two and you know whatever happens use it for use it for the glory of God right um and I totally lost sight of that and I realized that I have a personality that kind of you know kind of steers not believe me not because I want it to because yeah but I, I own that now i mean my mental attitude kind of influences the rest of the group and when I have a shitty mental attitude, everybody else is going to have a shitty mental attitude. Yeah. And that is a microcosm of the Christian life in it in itself. I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm just thinking of things that you don't know that I've heard um, Neil talk about. You know, Neil, and Neil, when you hear this, I'm not ratting you out, bro. We're just having a, you know, just keeping it real. We're just
0: keeping it real. And I really don't know the story, so
2: so no. Just to verify that you own that. Nobody in Passion or Pursuit has a rank, you know. So. You know, I'm not higher than you. You're not higher than me. Any of our field pastures other don't have than, other than timber. Yeah, they don't they? Don't have like none of us here is an owner of Passionate Pursuit. We're all contributors. Um, but you have assumed a a leadership role in you know the logistics and the planning out, and you've just assumed that responsibility. And you know, f- for what it's worth, we've all let you. Um, same with. You know, directing and content creation like mm-hmm. Neil or, or Matt, they're not going to go right. Go get this or do whatever. so. Anyways, um, you were having a bad day in Canada, and oh. <laughs> I, I think it was the day that you stayed behind, and we all went and got lunch, or went and did this, or did we all went to do something, and you stayed at the blinds to like, yeah. yeah, And you were like, I just need to be by myself and I need to figure it out, you know, I need to figure something out. I set up an awesome hide though. You did. But Neil was talking to, I think to like Kyle and saying, you know, Kyle was maybe worried and I, I don't remember, so I don't wanna, I don't wanna speak directly to what exactly was said or happened, but I think Kyle was like, is Joey gonna be okay or whatnot? And Neil was like, look, if, if it ain't going right, like, just stay out of Joey's way. Like, he's just, you know, like, just he, he's he got to fix it. It's his, it's his, or he's he knows best. Or if Joey says to do this, you better just do this. And I don't think, you know, again, I don't think that's directed at you or to you. I think that's because you've assumed a leadership role. And I know I've given it to you. Mm-hmm. and Neil's giving it to you and Matt's giving it to you so when it's not that you don't allow the input of anybody else but you remind me of, of my grandfather not just the white beard and the gray hair but um, you know I was telling somebody a story the other day about him look there was a right way and there was Reggie's way <laughs> and Reggie's way was better than the right way Right. And that's the way you better damn well do it. Yeah. And. Pawpaws are like that, man. Yeah. And um, I think all of us know that there's a right way and there's Joey's way. And unless your right way is working, you better damn well do Joey's way. And it's not, it's not that you're going to, you're going to. I hate hearing that, dude. I know you do. I know you do. But it's. I don't mean it in any which sort of way Mm -hmm. derogatory. I think for the most part, Joey's way has gotten us to some pretty damn awesome hunting spots. And Joey's way has gotten us um, a lot of good. And so it's not that we don't trust or want Joey's way. It's that when it's not going Joey's way, it's like, damn, this is going to suck. <laughs> oh, man. Because when it is going Joey's way, everything's awesome. Mm. Check. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I just, that came to mind, so I started laughing. And you didn't, It, it's par for the course that you didn't assume those leadership roles because you wanted to. It's just kind of how,
0: you know. God's assigned them but I kind of I've always been like that though like if something's gonna happen yeah you better get off your ass and make it happen don't wait for anybody else to make it happen. and it's not that I don't trust the people around me or whatever yeah Um, it's just that
2: well I think a lot of it has to do with experience as well if if I've done something before and it's worked I'm not gonna promise you that it's gonna work this time, right. but I promise you it worked.
1: Right, and we're gonna do it.
2: <laughs> right. I mean, that's me. Yeah. You know, like, look, I've done this before. I've been until I've been it doesn't here. work. This that's is the right. way we're gonna do. That's
1: right.
0: it. That's right. That's and you me. know, I kind of ruined Neil and I ruined Lee in the woods in Mississippi because their very first hunts with me. Yeah, I was. I wasn't there that Friday. I don't, let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. That, that story gets brought
2: up way too much. So. I, I couldn't show up to a, till a Saturday. I couldn't drive up and be there till a Saturday. And um, Lee and Neil and Joey were in the Delta on a Friday. And Mike Herman. And Mike
0: Herman. And it was raining mallards. Like yeah, thunderstorm. Well, what happened? Here's what happened before that though, is I had a really good. eye. I, I am big, big, big. You know me. I am super big, especially in the woods on scouting. Yeah. like i don't want to know just like oh they're they're probably over here in this area no i want to know where their left foot's going down and their right foot is going down period i'm not going to guess because it's a foot race yeah. in the morning and one wrong turn you lose there's no time for pit stops or anything else because um, it's all public ground
2: i've been on those wrong turn mornings
0: yeah i know that's another time we're following joey didn't work because he was more concerned about the headlights behind him than the hole in front of him so um Gosh. but so lee and i i said i I think i've got a pretty good idea of where these birds go on a friday morning versus a saturday morning when all the weekend warriors come out and so we walked in walked and we can hear them hear the birds on the water in front of us and like i said i don't want to just i want to know exactly where they're going because i said i'm hanging my bag and my gun on that tree right there and it's just uh, i mean it's just the way I, i don't right or wrong it's just the way i do it and so um i said okay i I think i see him but let's go up let's get behind this oak tree just so i can shoot that spot with my gps and know exactly and when i stepped out from behind one tree to walk up to the other one the woods exploded and and they just kept getting up and getting up and getting up and get and the thing that i knew about the spot is it's probably mid thigh deep where those birds were but before that it's six inches. Yeah. Like from the river to so there's no way you're getting a boat in there. And I knew that if we could park the bikes where we parked and walked in, in the direction that we walked in, we were gonna be the first there on Friday morning. This was Thursday. You can't hunt it on Thursday because it's closed. So we were set up that next Friday morning. And you know, they started the Lee and Neil and he, Neil had a guest with him, and Mike Herman went there, and they're shooting wood ducks, and I mean, they're dropping them like a cold biscuit, dude. I mean, there are wood ducks all over the water, and so I said, "All right, y'all need to hold up because it's only like six forty, and so at seven twenty-five, this place is going to go crazy with greenheads, and it did. You couldn't have. I I don't know if you could have filmed because it was just." It was so hot and heavy and happen. It wouldn't have happened. Look, bring a camera. It wouldn't have
2: happened. Bring a camera. Y'all want to see something? Let these batteries die real quick.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like uh, you got to take a leak and yeah. all of a sudden there they are. Yeah. But that I ruined, I ruined Neil and I ruined Lee because they're like, man, this guy is a freaking timber hunting wizard. No, I just got lucky. Yeah. And so, that's why I say that I think I ruined them. Yeah. That they, uh, they camp's underwater right now, by the way. In the Delta. Really? Yeah, with all this um, melting snow yeah, runoff snow. and everything else. Yeah. Climate change, man. Yeah, climate change. It's changed all right. Um, Yeah, there's a foot of water in that whole camp. Damn. I miss that place, but I don't miss that place. I miss it more than you don't miss it. I know. I know so let's see one of the other who writes the narration or the voiceovers I think we both write them
2: I I think you you more so write them Um, you know I'll say change this a little bit or do this but for the most part when it comes to voiceover uh, the episode's pretty much already done Um, man it's weird how they come together Uh, There's no formula Um, We kind of Once we get all the footage together And we kind of define A beginning and an end I'll go through and put the guts in And While you're writing um, Your writing first really helps Because that'll kind of give me a a roadmap To what's going to go in there Um, And again The beginning and the end is already defined So What's going to go in is also defined, but the order of it and the specific shots, I'll kind of like bounce off of a word. So if you say, uh, I don't know, the sky is falling, I'm going to find as many ducks falling at the same, you know, to go over that word. Right. Um, but you know, 90, 95% or more
0: is, is I think you writing the voiceover. But it starts with, I think it starts before that. You and I talked about, all right, like what, what happened like yeah what what, what do we think the story is
2: yeah so i think we we'll define an episode by one word um whether it's giants or deception or Mm -hmm. you know however we're going to theme it and that's really based off of um the synopsis of the of the trip um you know, when, when a trip is wrapped up, so, you know, I'll, I'll organize the files by state or hunt. So Arkansas 1, Arkansas 2. Arkansas one's going to be an episode. Arkansas 2 is going to be an episode. What happened the second time we went to Arkansas this year? Oh, we absolutely, we did great, and we did this. And, oh, you remember whenever this happened? And, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, key moments. So we'll find those moments. And whichever one stands out the most is kind of what we're going to find a a word to, encapsulate episode and based off of that word um yeah it just kind of comes together based off of that word you do the writing i will talk about talk about the subject matter and i'll try to find the footage to match it um and keep it as real as possible with what actually happened i mean we're not we're not going to go back there and film something we missed right so whatever we have is kind of how it's going to lay out.
0: How do we decide where and with whom we hunt? That was another question. That's that's pretty easy. Um, we
2: have, for the most part, a, a very regular and reoccurring path. Um... Every once in a while, we get very lucky and fortunate for new relationships to form. And, you know, one thing I look for in who we hunt with um, is like mutual trade-off. I don't ever want us to hunt with somebody or us to have a relationship with somebody based strictly off of hunting.
0: Um, Kind of how we talked about this podcast. I mean, if, if the relationships you have are just based on that one thing, it's a really narrow window of... Yeah. It's really shallow.
2: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times some of our existing relationships will um, say, hey, we're going to go hunting over here because I just don't have the birds or we just don't have the birds. And we'll go hunting. Somebody else will kind of join in and... You know, if we hit it off or if we find this mutual ground to stand on and, and um, pour into each other equally, then that usually flourishes into another hunting spot. Um, not that the relationship's built off of hunting, but again, if we're able to pour into each other off of, you know, mutual ground, mm-hmm. then, um you know... We we've tried to do the loop, you know, where we had a relationship in Arkansas, we have one in Kansas, we have one in Texas, we have one in Louisiana. So, all right, if we can take a week off of work, or if I don't have anything going on, can we take seven days and spend two days in each place? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you might have a better way to explain that question.
0: No, well. Uh, I can tell you this: I feel like the guys that we hunt with on a regular basis I, we would have relationships with those guys even if we didn't ever pick up a shotgun again.
2: Yeah, if I drive through Kansas, I'm going around his house just to hug him mm-hmm. um or i'm you know if, if I'm in St. Louis, I mean if I'm in kansas city i'm I'm doing everything I can to go see Travis mm-hmm. just to run around the track with him or play basketball against him. Or make fun of a suit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's I'm, a lot I'm, of things. I'm pretty pissed off that he did not. Travis, if you listen to this, you were so supposed to call us to help
0: build the lodge, by the way. Oh, I've told him that. I, I can't. But that dude, he feels like he's putting us out. That's no. the funny thing. It's crazy. He's got another place. I know. He told us about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean I I think you put it perfectly. If um if all we're doing is hunting with you and that is like that's it. Yeah. Uh it's probably it's probably gonna be a one time thing. Yep. And that's you know, that's fine. That's like a, a guide or an outfitter, like if we wanted to go hunt Montana and we had no place to go hunt, like let's find a guide up there and go hunt with them and -hmm. and it'd be done. Mm -hmm. Um, but the guys that we hunt with year round, um, or every, every year it's, it's way more than just, just hunting. And those relationships, um, may have started because of hunting or through hunting, but,
0: Usually, they, they're just founded in something deeper than just that. Yeah. One, one interesting question is, how do we decide on sponsors or who we work with? Huh. Um,
2: I can tell you that in my head from the very start, I've known who I've wanted to work for, sponsor-wise. And that was based off of looking at their branding and their visual representation as a brand, um, who they've supported, who... So a lot of times I'll go, man, this production company that I look up to works with this company and they produce content. I would love to be in that circle. It's not even... I'm not even looking at the gear that you know, that's more you than me. I'm looking at their visual representation or their branding, and who I want to be associated with um, from a from a content creation standpoint. That being said, and that being the end of that point, then I look at function. Um, you know, Sitka. Where that's, you know, not necessarily camouflage, but wearing something that's going to keep me warm and dry, Mm. I am not recording, I am not breaking a camera out if I'm cold and wet. Mm -hmm. I'm just miserable. Um, Now, that being said, I've been in a lot of situations where I've been cold and wet and uncomfortable, and I've broken a camera out, but... Being in gear that puts me in cold, wet, miserable conditions and keeps me comfortable allows me to do my job way better. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at um, visual representation, branding, um, and then function. I want the best, you yeah. know
0: and I I look at it kind of the same way. Um, and one of the things that I'll add to that, that I know that you probably agree with is guys that share, um, an appreciation for what we do and share in the vision of what, what we want to do with their products. So one of the things is that, do you know that your work is appreciated? Like, yeah. Um, uh, I, I feel like um, in the outdoor industry, 90, probably more than 90% of the companies out there have no idea what good content is or appreciate what goes into to getting it, and even fewer understand the importance of telling the guys that, are, that created that content how much they enjoy it and appreciate it
2: yeah i I agree with that hundred uh, percent you know something that's changed though um especially social media platform and specifically instagram where most of your most of the images you're seeing from a commercial uh or from a company advertisements where you scroll past a picture and you see a little dot and it pops up and it says Buy this jacket or this decoy or whatever um you know, that used to never come from the consumer or that used to never come from quote unquote pro staff, promotional staff. What, what used to happen is a company would um, hire a, a content creation company, production company or whatever, and they would do a campaign where uh, whatever production company would go out and shoot thousands of images hundreds of images and a branding video that could be broken into three different videos. You know They shoot enough content to make three one-minute videos or whatnot. And then that's all the content they would have for the year. And if you, as an amateur photographer or whatever, were taking pictures and it was good, and you were going, hey, look, I can do the same thing. uh, Use some of my photos. It's not that they wouldn't want to use your photos. They would have no need. Because they've already established their entire branding for the year. They've already run a campaign. They have everything. Now, companies are not having to necessarily do uh, an annual campaign for a catalog and for um, you know web-based content or whatnot. They're doing promotional staffs, and every year it gets better and better and better, where they're doing promotional st- uh, staffs, pro staffs, And it's professional photographers, professional content creators who are on these pro staffs, and they're producing 10 times the images. Um, And that's what you're seeing as an advertisement. So they no longer need to do a curated photo that was shot by a production company out of Los Angeles who has nothing to do with hunting. They're finding a very talented photographer who loves hunting, who's passionate about their gear, who's passionate about their company, and they're going to shoot their gear in use because they're actually using it, and they're able to use that as commercial advertisement. So we have to align with the quality and consistency of that brand in order to even be in the conversation. Yet, passion or pursuit has its own branding as well. Um, you know, its own content, and we want to pursue relationships with companies that are consistent with the quality and con and and concepts of our content so how we choose sponsors or companies we work with is not necessarily our choice there, there's a very limited amount of companies that we would work with and um I think we've gone plenty of years, including now, like there's, there's needs that we have and we don't have sponsors for it because there's only a few companies that we would work for that, that facilitate that need and they're not interested. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to go to anybody who will facilitate that need just because they are interested. So it's kind of a, a two way street. You know, we'll reach out to a company and say, Hey, we love your gear. We use it even now we'd love to create some content for you guys and represent you guys. We'd love for you to uh, be a part of our team and they'll go, Hey, no thanks. And I'm not going to stop using quality gear because you know, they go, no, we don't need you. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and hopefully one day we cross paths. Yep. Um, there's a couple of companies I have in mind right now that I've just been chasing after because I use their gear religiously, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to somebody else just to, to, just because I need an ice chest
0: or boots. Roger that. One last question before we wrap it up, and this is mine. So, this wasn't user submitted, okay? Or fan, follower submitted. This is mine. Right. Where'd you get that outfit? No, that's not the question. (sighs) Um, What has been the high point of. We've been filming now for how many years? Six. Six. What's been the high point for you?
2: Um outside of passion or pursuit or within passion or pursuit or anything? Um within. Within passion or pursuit.
0: Yeah. Um or either, it doesn't matter, whichever one. Um coffee pot's going off. Yeah.
2: It's hard it's hard to say within passion or pursuit because it it really runs together. Um, you know, Canada was by far our biggest trip and logistically and all that, so that's easy to say, but we didn't do good. Mm-mm. Um, and so if I'm basing it off of like success in a trip, then you know, I don't know, high point within passion or pursuit has definitely been relationships, has been like new friends, um, and people. That I now, you know, I'm just able to call friends and, and like pour into and have them pour into my life. And, um, yeah, it has nothing to do with, with filming, Mm -mm. um, as far as in, in passion or pursuit, um, yeah, man, that's a that's a hard question because it's a lot. Like passion, I take a lot of pride in passionate pursuit and like what it is today, from where it came from, and not like right. having a path, like not not knowing what it what it was going to be.
0: Um, because there's no way you and I could have made it. I mean, that's just God's hand guiding. You know, I, I'll I'll tell you mine. So, since you asked,
2: yeah. Go for it.
0: So I'm going to tie two things together, one of which you've already said, and that is that one trip where we just, it was falling apart, right? Well, you're talking about Jonathan and kind of what happened to him on that trip, and that was us not, not being the godly men of action, and example that we're supposed to be. We we showed what not to be right so you mentioned canada the high point of our entire what i think the entire thing was watching drew seals break down in the garage oh yeah and <laughs> and giving his life to christ based on the example that we were able to set the polar 180 degree opposite of what we were on that trip when we first started yeah to okay you guys are doing it right because look at the impact that you're having in somebody's life that and we had no intention i mean we were just you remember that we were just sitting in the garage talking about all right what's what's the last because it wasn't it was it was a good trip it it wasn't a great trip by any means no As, as if you were to count feathers no but as far as fellowship goes um we were just sitting around the garage talking and and matt as only matt could we didn't tell any matt stories but that's all right um matt in the way only that matt can said man look i just want to tell you all that however tomorrow ends up it was like the pregame speech right how whatever happens i i i think of gladiator like whatever comes through that gate just stick together right we'll survive if we stick together And that was Matt saying, man, uh, you know, uh, I just want to tell you guys that, uh, you know, I love you and, uh, let's just not forget, you know, what we're here for. And that's just to, that's just to somehow, um, glorify God through all this. And I looked over at Drew Seale and he was crying. You hold on. You said exactly what Matt said. We were
2: talking about a plan for the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, what if we do this and Kyle had his own plan and he's like, but if y'all want to do this, you can do this. And Matt goes, look, uh. Um, all all I want to say is this, and he did exactly what you said, and straight up, like drew was to the left of me. I just looked up and he's crying, and I'm like, "What did Matt say? Yeah, like what did just we happen- hurt his feelings? Yeah, like what just happened? Um, yeah, man, I don't know how I missed that. That is 1,000 percent the high point of passionate pursuit. Is that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm I credit God. Mm-hmm. And only God, but passion or pursuit was a vehicle that allowed me to witness that. Um, not that I hadn't seen people be saved get saved before or, or you know, turn their life over to Jesus, but oh man, there's so much leading up to that that people will never ever know. Um, and even if I tell the tidbits, they just don't know drew was mm-hmm. drew was coming on that trip for a long time and then he backed out because yeah that's right because he got a new job and he was moving and yeah. all, and I had no budget right like Drew's coming as a volunteer and um you know I got some budget and uh said hey you know this is this is what at I at the got. last minute by the way yeah <laughs> um I got some budget and was able to bring him along and he still wasn't supposed to come like he had to overcome some things in order to come he had mm-hmm. to do some things on the road in order to come yeah and so
0: yeah yeah that was that was definitely a that was it yeah i mean it was just good he said you know i don't know how to he basically said i don't know how to do this i, I don't know how to do this uh but if there's any way that he just he just said, I. I it was. It was. It, yeah. it was. It was. I hope he can look back and laugh, but
2: it was comical because he goes, "I don't know if I'm supposed to say a certain prayer. Like I don't know if y'all got if there's something I'm supposed to say, abracadabra, or something like that." He said, "But if there's any way that I can get saved tomorrow in a duck blind, yeah. and all of us go, nah, you can get saved right here, right now. That's right. Like we ain't waiting until tomorrow, partner. And and it's funny,
0: we had a garage full of pastors that were yeah, just like, I know." <laughs> <laughs> But I just remember us all standing over him, praying over him, and I don't think there was a dry eye in the garage. No. Mine wasn't. No. It was awesome. And yeah. and look, man, I hate that
2: we, we I hate that earlier I said that Canada really wasn't a good trip because that really made the trip. Um like we all I, I don't even think Drew was around, but I think we all individually said to one another at some point in time, like Okay, that's what we came up here for. Like if we don't kill another duck, like that's why we came. Yep. That's why we were here. Yep. So and and look, even that aside, I have talked to Matt since then and just said, Man, that was not that was a fun trip. We all had fun together. Um <laughs> so yeah. I think we've moved way past yeah. the killing part. Yeah. Um that had us so hung up for a couple of couple of years.
0: And and if and you need to move past the the killing part, says the guy who loves nothing more than shooting mallards all up in the nose and the face. Oh look, dude.
2: I haven't hunted in four or five years
0: until this past year. And um Do we want to time. talk about your first shots with the your first kill with the new shotgun was a pure straight out double. Boom, boom, boom. Dead right there. Uh yeah, man. You want to tell a funny Matt story when we wrap up?
2: On that, that, no, I no, (laughs) I don't. I told a couple of funny Matt stories to random people in the last few weeks. The only thing that pisses me off more, and I need to spend way more time with Matt, is I can't sound like him yet. Like I got it pretty close. I know you do, (laughs) but I want to be able to. I want to be able to do the. You know the funniest. Wait, the
0: funniest story doesn't involve him saying anything. The funniest story to me is the ugly girl. Well, the funniest story to me is him at the border when old boy oh, broke a yeah, yeah, yellow yeah. notepad at him. That dude turned cherry red. And Matt, the only thing that Matt said is, uh, yeah, man, uh, it ain't real fun being on the other side of the law. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You ever, you ever want to see somebody turn red, watch the police get
0: policed? Yeah. The border Patrol just was not buying the story. that. mm So... What did we? Uh, what you, anything you wanted to cover, dude? That we didn't? No, dog. We
2: got. Uh, I mean, I've, we can talk for hours. We'll do another one. We'll,
0: we'll do another one. Yeah. All right. It's good, hey, man. man. Yeah, it's good. Thanks. Sign off. So that's it we are really excited about the guest we'll have on the topics we'll cover and the people that will connect we hope that you all come back and tune in and maybe learn some new things from some new people it's always going to be great conversations I can promise you that we again want to thank Tangle Free Waterfowl. remember to go to tanglefree.com enter the code word passion p-a-s-s-i-o-n at checkout for free shipping on every single thing you buy. Great partners at Tangle Free. So once again, thanks for spending some time with us, and we hope to see you again on the next episode of the No Limits Podcast. Bye-bye, y'all.